This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. And coming up on today's show, I'll tell you why if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt, OU will be in a better position than OSU will be if Spencer Sanders goes down. I'll also tell you why the Cowboys should have been the highest-ranked Big 12 school in the AP Top 25. And Al Eshbeck had some interesting things to say about Lincoln Riley on the Total Dominance Hour, and I will give you my assessment of that. But first, it's time to change the name of this show because Bedlam is dead. Mike Gundy killed it on Tuesday when he did an interview with ESPN saying, quote, they, meaning OU, sort of made the decision when they left for the SEC. It's just not going to be feasible. We're scheduled out till 2036, and I think, well, and I'm sure that the SEC is going to go to nine conference games. They'll have to, where the media will kill them, and the fans would love to see Bedlam keep playing, but the people behind closed doors who make the decisions are going to say no. And I paraphrased a little bit of it. It wasn't an exact quote, but... Let's get to the meat of this. And the meat of this, the, the meat of this quote was all in that last, that last little bit of it, that last statement. The people behind closed doors do not want to keep playing. Well, who are those people behind closed doors? Two of them are Mike Gundy and Brent Venables. And both of them know, along with Chad Weiberg and along with Joe Castiglione, it's not a mutually beneficial relationship for this series to keep going. For Oklahoma State, sure, it's a moneymaker, especially if you wanted to continue to charge OU fans to come see the game or you wanted to do the whole season ticket package where you had to buy season tickets in order to get Bedlam. It's a guaranteed sellout. That's all fine and well. But when you're in Mike Gundy's position and you're about to get rid of OU and Texas in the Big 12 and you're going to be set up to possibly make a run like OU did where you could win six conference championships in a row because right now, if you look at it from top to bottom, Oklahoma State is going to be the best school in the new Big 12, even though it'll be more of an even playing surface where I don't think you'll see someone dominate for like 12 to 15 years, but I can see somebody making a pretty good run Mike Gundy doesn't want to play a game where you can get a lot of players hurt, you can get beat up, and then emotionally you go into the conference schedule and you're not ready to play. You're not in prime shape. You don't schedule. As much as Barry Trammell will want to tell you that you've got to earn your way into the playoffs and everybody should be playing competition that is either even or better than they are, What we'll tell you on this show, what we will tell you on the Pat Jones show is, no, you schedule to win. You absolutely schedule in your non-con to keep yourself healthy for the upcoming conference season. And as important as that's going to be to, to Oklahoma State, it's going to be doubly important to OU once they make the move to the Southeastern Conference, especially if you're playing nine conference games. And yeah, OU fans have gotten used to the fact that you're going to see big names on the non-con schedule. You've seen Notre Dame in recent history. You've seen Tennessee. Um, You've seen USC in years past. Miami, um, to name name just a few. Oregon has has been. Uh, Georgia's coming up. Georgia is scheduled 
in, in the non-con here shortly. You, you've seen all that, but when you're going to play Georgia in conference or Alabama or LSU in conference, you need to schedule that those three games, be they all three at the beginning of the year or whether two are at the beginning of the year and one is that sandwich game, they need to be teams you can handle. So let's take a look at what would be the perfect non-conference schedule for Oklahoma State. Well, for Oklahoma State, one, you've got a nice rivalry going with Tulsa. Make sure you keep that rivalry going. I'm all in favor of that rivalry being extended. Not only is it a game that OSU can win every year, but it helps Tulsa, who needs people to show up to Chapman Stadium. So keep that one. After Tulsa, I throw in a South... West Missouri, Southeast Missouri, an Arkansas Pine Bluff like they're doing this year because you know you're going to win that game. And then maybe I go inside the Power Five. But if I go inside the Power Five, maybe I'm looking at West towards the Pac-12, like I'm scheduling in Arizona. Or if I want to schedule someone in the Southeastern Conference, I'm not going to schedule Oklahoma. I'm going to schedule Arkansas. I'm going to schedule Missouri. I'm going to schedule Vanderbilt. I'm going to schedule somebody like that who I feel most years I'm going to have a better roster than they are, or at no worse, it's equal, but they're not going to be better than me. That would be the perfect non-con schedule for Oklahoma State going forward. As for Oklahoma going forward, well, one, you have to stay in the Power Five, but I think you've got to adopt some of that philosophy. So let's say you look to play a school in the Big Ten. Well, Don't make that school Michigan. Don't make it Ohio State. Make it Minnesota. All right? Don't make it Wisconsin. Iowa wouldn't be a bad team to schedule. I mean, Iowa's pretty tough. You beat them, that's usually a credible win. Uh, You might throw Nebraska back on the schedule a few times considering that they're down. Uh, You go into the AAC for a game, the, the American Conference. Maybe you play Southern Methodist. As, as a possible opponent. I mean, they're going to be pretty tough. You play them. Maybe you throw a Memphis on the schedule. You want to, ideally, you'd like to get someplace where you recruit. So I think SMU would be good. Um, throw Rice on there. I think it's Conference USA, but you'll recruit Houston. So go ahead and play them. And then after that, go, I, I go get a, a, another. Another FBS school, but a not. But again, stay away from the non-Power Five. Maybe you go into the the Mountain West and get a Colorado State. And I get it; that does not excite you if you're an OU fan. But really, I, I do. Do you want to? As much as you want to beat Lincoln Riley into submission, do you want to bite off USC when you know you're going to have a schedule that, provided they get back, uh, you will have Texas on the schedule. You'll have A and M. You'll have LSU, you'll have Alabama, and Auburn, and Florida, and Tennessee, and all these schools that are going to give you everything you possibly want week in, week out. Yeah, I'm not running out to play Penn State when I've got that kind of schedule. And you can call me a wimp all you want. You can say that that is not the Oklahoma way, but you've got to be very selective on how you schedule those big-time non-con games. And the way you do it is once you've racked up a few conference championships in the Southeastern Conference or made a few playoff appearances and you feel the program is in good shape, yeah, then you schedule one of those games. 
You schedule one of those games every few years. It whets the appetite. It sells tickets, gets TV excited. And if you lose, eh, the select committee looks at you. They look at your track record. And, you know, if you got a couple of losses in there and that's one of them, then maybe they give you the benefit on strength of schedule. But this is something that both schools are going to have to consider going forward. And I'm in the minority. I know a lot of people want to play Bedlam. It's just not, it, it doesn't help either school to continue to play this game. Um, and Gundy also went on to criticize OU and Texas for taking the history with them. But to be fair, he did throw A&M under the bus. I wish he would have thrown Nebraska, Missouri, and Colorado under the bus as well because it's not just OU. I mean, OU did what they did for the money. Texas did what they did for the money. But as far as destroying the history, the tradition, whatever, of college football, that's been going on for years. And it feels like that part of college football, at least from a Big 12 standpoint, has been held together with duct tape ever since Colorado, Nebraska decided to bolt, and certainly after A&M decided to bolt. It just felt like it's just been propped up, but it hadn't been real. And as far as the Bedlam series goes, it's not OU Nebraska. It's not OU Texas. I mean, 90-19-7, OU had won six in a row prior to this year. Um, if you look at OU Nebraska, that's 46-38 to in favor of Oklahoma. Um, and OU's won, I think, six of the last – or actually, no, Nebraska had won six of six – of, or what was it? It was eight of nine. Yeah, Nebraska had won like eight of nine at one point in, the, in that series before OU got things turned around. OU Texas is closer than I thought. It's 62-55 in favor of Texas. So that's only a 12-game difference. And I think for, for Oklahoma fans – you know, they look at that Oklahoma State rivalry, and OSU's had their moments, and I think it really became a rivalry back in 1995 when Oklahoma State came down to Norman and beat Howard Schnellenberger and, and that bunch. But overall, you know, it's risen through the years, but it doesn't have as big as historical significance as some of the other rivalries that OU have. In a way, it was kind of a placeholder uh, for when Nebraska left. I mean, it was there. But I would say the Bedlam is certainly more intense in baseball, basketball, stuff where it's a little bit closer. Like Oklahoma State fans will tell you, it's not it's not a particularly good rivalry in wrestling. OSU kicks Oklahoma's ass all the time. So it's not a good rivalry in wrestling. Um I'm I'm in the minority. I'm I'm not anxious to see Bedlam keep going. I'm anxious to see OU play new teams, and I'm anxious to see Oklahoma State. Uh, reel off a few conference championships in this new Big 12, and ultimately it's going to be better for for the state of Oklahoma and both programs once that happens. AP Top 25 came out this week. Oklahoma number 9, Baylor 10, Oklahoma State down at 12. AP got it wrong. Oklahoma State should have been the highest-ranked Big 12 school. Swap them and Oklahoma. Oklahoma should not be ranked in the top 10. Don't lose your mind. I know if you're an OU fan. First of all, let's remember that this first AP poll, you're ranking based on the information that you have now. This is not even a prediction. When I voted in the AP poll, I never looked at the initial poll as a prediction of who was going to win the national championship or who I was saying was going to win the national championship. I took all the information that I had then and ranked the teams based on that. 
And here's why Oklahoma State should have been the highest-ranked Big 12 school. First and foremost, they've got the longest-tenured quarterback. I trust Spencer Sanders. Trust him more than I trust Dylan Gabriel. It's not saying Dylan Gabriel shouldn't be good. I just haven't seen Dylan Gabriel do it in the Big 12, so I trust Spencer Sanders, too. I love Oklahoma State's defensive line. And despite whatever issues they're going to have at linebacker and secondary, that defensive line can take a lot of pressure off those guys. You've got the two best rush-ins in in Allen and um, Colin Oliver, or excuse me, Trace Ford and Colin Oliver. I don't know. Who, I don't know who the hell Allen is, uh, but for but but in Ford and Oliver, they'll be really good. There are questions about the offensive line, questions about running back. But you got a lot of playmakers on receiver. They're just the team I feel like I know the most about right now. So that's why I would rank them nine. I'd rank Baylor 10. Baylor did beat Oklahoma last year. Baylor's going to be good again this year. And Oklahoma's got 40 guys who've never played a game in an OU jersey that all of a sudden I'm just supposed to buy into simply because that jersey's crimson and cream. I'm not doing that right now. Does it mean that that is the way things are going to turn out? No. Does it mean that I think OSU was going to win the Big 12 championship? Gun to my head, I'd probably say yes today. But that could... That could flip on a dime when the season gets started. OSU could start off horrible. OU could start off great, vice versa, whatever. So if you're an OU fan, don't lose your mind over this and don't lose your mind over that opinion. I understand what the past record says. I understand what, you know, when you're saying that you've dominated this conference. And look, you, you may very well do it, but OU's also got a new coaching staff. They also let go of Kale Gundy. And I do believe that all these things create uncertainty. And when there's uncertainty, I cannot rank you higher, shouldn't rank you higher than, than, than anybody else that I know at this time. So I am much, much more confident in Oklahoma State than I am OU right now. Doesn't mean that it'll stay that way forever, but it at least right now, that's where I stand. All right, coming up next, I'll tell you why OU will be better off than Oklahoma State if Dylan Gabriel goes down. All right, so we'll get to that next here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Yeah, some tease going into the break. It's a hell of a way to sell things. Um, I was asked this question today on Facebook. Actually, Coach Jones and I were, and it was, who would be better off if they lost their starting quarterback? You know, OU or OSU? And I'm going OU on this. Um, and that's only if Davis Bevel emerges as the number two quarterback for Oklahoma. Now, according to our lads, Matt Evers is the number two guy. Now, he's the freshman. He was recruited. He's been here during spring. Probably, well, okay, undoubtedly, he knows the playbook better than anyone else. And it doesn't matter how much you know Davis Bevel or General Booty have been studying that. You figure Matt Evers knows the playbook better, but Bevel, even though he played sparingly at Pitt, he has some college football experience. So God forbid Dylan Gabriel get hurt or gets hurt. I would think Davis Bevel is the guy. I'm just hoping he's the guy. And I'm hoping he can just be good enough if that happens to, to lead OU to some wins. You know, if you need him, and I do think that at some point, both schools are going to have to have their backup quarterback play, 
But I would say right now I'd give the edge to OU if Davis Bevel is the number two. If he's not and it's Nick Evers, then I'm probably giving the edge to Oklahoma State. Or if it's General Booty, who's a JUCO transfer, I'm giving the edge to Oklahoma State. And I'm giving it because of Gunnar Gundy and his athletic ability if, in fact, Gunnar Gundy is the number two quarterback. I've heard that the biggest difference between Gunnar Gundy and Garrett Rangel is simply this, Gundy's athletic ability. Apparently, the ball leaves Rangel's hand a little bit better, but Gundy is a little bit more athletic. Having that uncertainty in the offensive line, and we've heard a lot about how Oklahoma State wants to play up-tempo, how Spencer Sanders wants to play up-tempo at this moment. Um, the, the thing you've got to remember is that offensive line, you're still kind of you're kind of putting things to get putting things together for Oklahoma State. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys in camp, but still you're basically trying to build a new offensive line. And if that's the case, and, and OSU this year is gonna rely a lot on Spencer Sanders' running ability, if something happens to him, Gundy's closer to what Spencer Sanders is than Garrett Rangel is. Saying that, don't get your hopes up that if you saw Gunnar Gundy go in, he'd be just like Spencer Sanders, but he's closer to that. And I just, I have a feeling with, you know, you look at Dylan Gabriel, smaller guy who plays better on the run. Um, I get the feeling that both schools will have to make use of their backup quarterbacks, not just in mop-up time, but there will come a point this year where both backup quarterbacks for OU and OSU are going to play some meaningful downs. So just get ready for that. I think it's going to I can see in Oklahoma I can see in Stillwater where just the physicality takes a toll on Spencer Sanders and Dylan Gabriel because of his size may take one hit too many and may have to sit out for the rest of the game, maybe even a week. Uh, but I fully do expect the backup quarterbacks to play, and I do give OU the edge on that. Finally, we wrap up with Al Ashback. I love Al. I, I, I don't. If you listen to sports talk radio in Oklahoma, I hope you listen to Al. One because he's on my station. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I want you to listen to guys that are on my station too. I've known Al for a long time. Used to produce for the guy. He said something pretty interesting on his show this week, and that was that had Lincoln Riley gone to Joe Castiglione or you know anybody at OU, President's Board of Regents, and, and made the statement that, hey, USC is interested, I'm thinking about leaving, but I'll stay if we can do, and then you give them the checklist and, and, and see what OU can do. Apparently, that is not how things went down. The Lincoln-Riley didn't give them that option. It was, hey, I'm leaving for USC, and that's the end of the story. Which tells me, and what it should tell you, is that Lincoln Riley didn't want to stay at Oklahoma. And our, our, our attitude about that is good riddance. Take you and your soft team, get the hell on to the West Coast, and let's let Brent Venables do his job, and hopefully OU will be better than, than what they were under you. And, you know, it, it sucks being jilted, but at the same time, you didn't want a guy that didn't want to be around here. And I know that there are some reports, as what we'll call them, that dispute whether or not Lincoln Riley had been scared of the SEC. And, well, if you know Lincoln Riley, you know he's not scared. Look, 
I don't believe Lincoln Riley wanted any part of the Southeastern Conference. Now he's getting all he wants with the Big Ten. And we're about to find out just how good a coach he really is. And I will tell you, and I will die on this hill. While I may have a little uncertainty about how Brent Venables is running the, the program with everything that went down with Kale Gundy. And first of all, let me just say, I agree that Kale Gundy should have been let go. You don't use that word. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care what you read. You just don't use that word. However, I have been told that that situation could have been worked out where it couldn't have resulted in firing. And, and you're hearing from Brent Venables that, yeah, everybody's moved on and everybody's fine and 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 we're we're putting it behind us and there were some people upset that their coach was gone. We don't know what toll that's going to take on OU. All that being said, while, while I may question you know, what Brent Venables is, has done in this situation, whether it means he can run a program, the one thing I undoubtedly know about Brent Venables is he's not going to produce a soft football team. And that was OU's biggest problem for so long under Lincoln Riley. It's just the fact that when you came up against not just more talented defenses, but defenses that actually played physical, OU had no idea how to handle it. They were finesse on both sides of the ball. Lincoln Riley's teams were always getting out toughed by better competition. So Lincoln Riley leaves. Who gives a damn? We're glad that he's gone. Lincoln, please go. Take you. Take Alex Grinch. Good luck with Caleb Williams. Okay, well, as good good of luck as we can wish you with Caleb Williams. But ultimately, yeah, if you weren't going to use it as leverage, then you just didn't want to be here. And guess what? We don't want you around anyway. All right, that wraps up today's show. I'm Eric G. Um, We'll be back next week. Hey, three weeks out from football season. That doesn't suck. That's a good time. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe or subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars or whatever you think we're worth. And please write a review. Um, we, don't even mind, we don't even mind the bad reviews. We want to know how we're doing, what we're getting through, what we need to improve. So we do thank you for that. But again, if you want to rate us five stars, we're not going to complain about that either. So until next time, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, Everybody love everybody. And to quote Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.